Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with John Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal. It is 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. How are we doing, Ottawa? Um, good to see everyone again. Um, back solo, but today we have a guest. Um, the past couple of days, we've been taking questions and uh, starting to see more and more um, questions about the upcoming draft. Um, obviously, Ottawa hasn't playing hasn't been playing well, um, and two picks um, in the first round. So, um, obviously, this is going to be a topic that we're going to kind of have to discuss over the course of the year unless some things change. So, um, and what, what better day to do it than, um, than today? Uh, Craig Button's list was dropped. Um, Grant McKegg, who we have as a guest, has dropped his top 10. Um, so, so the scouts are starting to put together some lists here um, and allow the fans to kind of dial in on, on who the top guys are in the draft, what this draft is shaping up to look like, um, and all that fun stuff. So if you have any questions, uh, put them in the chat, please. Um, we'll, we'll probably do 20 minutes with Grant or so, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll adjust from there. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. Um, kind of get away from uh, the whole coaching fiasco. We know where I stand on that. So we don't need to kind of beat that uh, dead horse, as I say. Um, so so yeah, we'll we'll bring on Grant here. Grant's from Shovel, where I'm from. Um, he owns uh, Recruits Mag- Magazine, so he's been doing lists for a while. Also was with McKean's back in the day. Um, he seems to have one of the most accurate lists uh, going out of everyone, um, and that's from his scouting ability to uh, relationships he's built uh, over time throughout uh, North America, where he's able to talk to different people, um, you know, and and be able to make sure they're seeing what he's seeing and adjust from there. Um, I talked about yesterday, Matthew Nyes, how I watched some video for, for Grant um, because, you know, he had a tough first half of the season and scouts weren't liking him as much. Um, but with a fresh set of eyes, um, I saw what he saw, which was probably a first rounder. Um, like I said, that's just, that could have went the other way as well. Um, but that's just an example of uh, something that's happened in the past. So uh, we'll bring on Grant now, and uh, we'll we'll start talking some prospects. How are we doing, Grant? Hey, good to see you, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate no it. No problem. No problem. This is fun. So had a lot of people um, talking about what type of draft this is, and is it a strong draft? Is there high-end talent, or is it more depth? Um, so, like, how, how are you feeling on that? Yeah, it's funny. I've been uh... – I've been pro- professing that it's a it's a fairly deep draft, um, but a lot of uh, my NHL scouting contacts are uh, are saying that it's not. So, um, mind you, a number of them have yet to uh, really get out west. These are uh, typically our Eastern based crossover scouts, so they're only just now getting getting out west and seeing the. Uh, I think that's where the real talent is this year in uh, the Canadian Hockey League is out west, um, and then uh, in Europe, it's you know there there's decent talent. So 
what I think the real strength of this draft is, though, is the is the defense group. Um, it may be the strongest defense draft since the, uh, you know, the Eric Carlson, Dowdy, uh, Petrangelo one. It's uh, there's some real quality at the top, and uh, it's quite deep. I mean, there might be a dozen or more, maybe fifteen. You know, anywhere between ten and fifteen defensemen could go in the first round. Yeah, that's something I noticed. I'm not obviously I'm not watching um, guys yet or at all really. Um, but whenever I see lists, the defensemen jump out at me in the first round. Very rarely do you see that many defensemen. Um, and and obviously it sounds like some quality. Now, would that push some better forwards back into the second round, creating a, that a little more depth? Or yeah, for sure. I I know. Uh, I mean, I cover the the Canadians. Um, as well on recruits website. And uh, so, you know, I get followed by a lot of Canadians fans and last year, you know, a lot of them were lamenting that, uh, well, this draft was going to be so strong with defensemen. Why did they take one last year? But I don't think you can approach a draft that way. If you like a player, you take them and uh, whatever happens next year happens. Um, And I mean, there's two ways looking at that too. Uh, you know, if a bunch of defensemen go in the top eight and Montreal's drafting ninth, then, you know, they're going to get one of the top forwards in the group. Right. And it's, it's, it's the same deal with the, with the senators like the, yeah, if, uh, you know, if, if they'd like to needs wise, if they would like to get, pick up a, a forward in the first round or two forwards, uh, well, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be some good ones because there'll be a lot of defensemen that go and, uh, they'll they'll still get some of the uh, the top forwards in that in the draft class. So it's uh, but yeah, I I really like the defense group this year, and I think it's uh, it's a, it's the strongest class in in a lot of years for sure. Yeah. Great, um, and I know you're never shy to to really just put the prospects how you really feel, not not afraid of the public. And, and for the most part, that's worked out for you, I think, over time. Um, that's shown that. So uh, did we want to kind of get into your top 10 here and, and give some people, uh, some players to kind of keep an eye on throughout the, the rest of the year? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So right. uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I just, uh, yeah. I mean, the one thing that, that stands out when you, when you see other lists, obviously, is where I have Eisenman. At this point, okay, uh, he's typically in the top three of lists, and um, I, I mean, he, you know, I'm not saying that he won't end up there. It, it, it's November still, right? And as, as someone who uh, scouted for a number of years, uh, you, Justin, uh, you know that lists change, right? I mean, you can have guys in the that that are not even in the top ten that end up top three in your draft board, you know, like. A good example would be maybe uh, the year uh, Heiskanen and Makar, you know. In November of that year, neither of them were in the top 20 of just about every draft list. And then they ended up being three and four in the draft. So a lot can change. But uh, um, Eisenman, you know, obviously is a great sniper. I mean, he's – if you're looking for a goal scorer, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if a team – even if they are concerned about some other things like I am with, you know, his play away from the puck, uh, stuff like that, the, you know, he'll probably go top five anyway, but 
I, I think, you know, I like every one of the players ahead of him, obviously, quite a bit. And that's why that's why they're, they're all slotted ahead of him at this. Yeah, time. Ju- just for the, the listeners only, um, Grant has him at seven. Most lists have him maybe two or three. Um, Cole Eiserman from the United States program. So, um, yeah. yeah, so now uh, Celebrini, who's a Canadian at Boston University, He's number one on pretty much everyone's list. Can you maybe just talk about him um, and and where he is at compared to um, maybe the the elite talent we've seen in the past? You know, with Bedard or or that, and and where he kind of ranks in there. Yeah, uh, just um, I think what's standing out for everybody is that he's um, just a terrific all around centerman. Um, I've had the I've heard the name Crosby thrown out there. Now, obviously, you know he's probably not going to be the you yeah. know the point producer that that Sydney is, perhaps. But uh, um, just in, in terms of his all around, like he he's already uh, very good defensively. Um, leadership qualities are through the roof. Competes at a high high level in all three zones. Uh, very smart, very conscientious of of his defensive game. In addition to having uh, excellent offensive skills, like he, you know, he's uh, great puck skills. Very smart. Uh, what I think it, you know, puts him ahead of everybody else at this point is that he just he he's just so safe. You know that he's going to be a top two centerman. You know that he's going to help you win games you know that he's going to take care of his own zone and you know he's going to score score points so um to me at this point at least he's uh you know they're celebrating and then there's everybody else and they yeah. they're all kind of fighting it out uh, duking it out to see who who will be number 2 awesome um one one name that you know sticks out on this list at number 10 uh Drew McGinnis son uh, yeah. playing in Kelowna of the WHL uh, does he play like his father? Uh, and, and what do you see from him? Yeah, well, there are certainly some, you know, some similarities there. Um, he's a little smaller than Jerome and maybe not. And in, in that sense, not as strong, you know, he's not going to maybe overpower people as much as, as Jerome did, but the other parts of his game are very similar. Like he's got a wicked shot. He's uh, very fast very smart and uh, competes. He's um, he drives play. He's uh, I had a, a, had an NHL scout. Uh, I was uh, texting with the other day who saw him was saying like, he just uh, every shift he's, he's doing something. You, you notice him. He's uh, you know, he's on, he's on the puck. He's a puck hound. Um, always noticeable, always, always doing something in a positive way. Now he's he, much like Celebrini. He's one of those kids that uh, extremely safe, and you know, you know, you know as well as anybody. Yeah, I mean that's a you know for some people that's a bad word. Well, well, you don't want a safe prospect. Well, you do if he's also got upside, right? Yeah, uh, you want to pick a player that you know is going to help your team and you know won't be a bust. I mean, it's important because we've seen it. You know, teams that take you know, a kind of a boomer bus guy in the first round and they end up not playing at all. Well, that's not good. But no. uh, if they've also got offensive upside, I mean, again, has got 18 to 20 goals already this year in the WHL. He's going to be a, 
I think he'll be a 30 plus goal scorer at the NHL level and just uh, play in your top two lines and be a, a, a contributor in a lot of ways. Awesome. Um, number eight that you have. Uh, so he's the only OHL guy on your list. Zane uh, Parekh. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Can you say that for us? I think it's just Parekh. 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 Awesome. Um, now, so would. So we talk about a lot on the pod, uh, the London Knights and how they're good programs, create good players. Uh, so how would you compare him to Sam Dixon, who I see in the top 15 of other uh, on lists um, and, and kind of the difference between the two? One seems like more of an offensive guy that's six foot in Zane Parkett. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Sam Dixon <laughs> is maybe a little bigger and uh, more defensive. Uh, could you yeah. talk about those two? Sure. Um it's Dickinson, by the way, not Dixon. Um, yeah, Dickinson. So. <laughs> he uh, actually, I have him eleventh. Okay, and he awesome. was in my uh, top ten right up until uh, I updated this list the other day. Um, could very well end up being top ten by the end of the year. You know, I, I find these from two to fourteen it is close. Like any of the, you know, any of the guys that are. And I mean, we've seen that a lot of drafts lately where uh, your your rankings in November, uh, you could be, you know, and I've had NHL scouts say, well, the guy that's two could be, you know, 14 and vice versa. And, that, and that's the way I feel about it, too, because, I mean, you know, there's kids like uh, Dickinson, uh, Juracek, Catton, who are all really good prospects and who have all been in my top 10, you know. Uh, at uh, at points already this draft. Now, uh, they're all close. They're all close to being top 10 guys for me right now. So um, what gives Parek the edge on Dickinson for me is just his offensive upside. He's, uh, I mean, he's on pace for 80, 83 points this year. The last um, draft eligible OHL defenseman to score 80 points was uh, Ryan Ellis 15 years ago. Wow. So, uh, and he turned out to be a heck of a defenseman. Yeah, he was so, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, um, his puck skills are some of the best I've seen from a, from a junior defenseman in a long time. You know, he, he's, he, uh, he's very good at finding the, the shooting and passing lanes. He, uh, very good feet. He, he can, uh, he can juke guys really, you know, just with ease. Um, one of the best puck handling junior defensemen in the last 20 years in Canada. Um, and I think he can run a power play at the NHL level. Now, the what's been the concern, obviously, with him in the past has been his pl- way, uh, play away from the puck. But I've seen strides in that regard this year as well. Um, I had a deep... Uh, I have a subscription to Instat and they give you a lot of, you know, they break down every game and you can look a little deeper into stats and stuff. And he, his first 12 games of the year, you, he was on, he was on the ice for 24 goals against. Typically if you're on, you know, on average on the ice for two goals against a game, that's not very good. (laughs) You know, even if you are playing 20 plus minutes a game, but in his last 10, he was on the, he's, was on the ice for nine goals against so he paired it down to under a goal a game that he's on the ice for so it like you know uh that 
and and you see that on on the ice as well he's competing more um using utilizing the good skating mobility that he has and uh you know checking he's not never going to be a body checker like i think he i think he's had like three hits all season or something like that so don't be expecting that type of player but he's using his stick you know he's utilizing his stick uh poke checking getting uh getting in lanes uh cutting off passes and just playing a lot better defensive game and i think I mean, you you see it in the past. The guys that aren't necessarily great defensively that uh, that play top four roles because they just they're going to bring when they have the puck, they're going to you know they're going to be so uh, beneficial to your team. Um, and then he can run a power play. So we all know how important it is to have a good power play quarterback. And he, uh, I think he's going to be an elite one. And that's why at this point I've got him ahead of Dickinson. Um, I, I, I've got an article that I'm releasing today, and it looks back at some of the uh, some of the offensive defensemen and where they got taken in the in the draft because there were concerns with their defense. Like you look at Adam Fox went in the third round. Safe to yeah. say, safe to say that if you did a redraft, you know he'd be top ten, right? No, 100%. And that's something like these guys have the puck the entire time throughout their minor hockey career, you know, and they don't ever have to defend because they just have the puck the entire time. So you hope they're they're smart enough to be good offensively. They can make that those changes to be smart enough defensively. And, and, and you see it a lot. You see, you, sometimes it doesn't work out maybe as well, but, um, but you're right. Adam Fox, I I remember even in the scouting room, them talking about him and, and they didn't like one guy was really championing him, and and the rest didn't like his uh, defensive ability. And, and yeah, we know now what that's like. So yeah, um, where do you guys have him ranked? I I think in that third round area too. So oh really? Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I I was with McKean's at the time, and I I did rank him in the first round. So wow, good. There's one, you know. Yeah, blind uh, blind squirrel gets the odd nut. You know? <laughs> um, all right, so so obviously mostly Ottawa and Gatineau listeners here. Um, what about what about the sixty sevens and the Gatineau Olympics? Um, I know Henry Muse is one guy talked about. Uh, could you talk about him and maybe some other guys uh, from either team that uh, some people could get out and watch? Yeah, sure. Um... Uh, yeah, Muse is the is the big, you know, he's he's the guy to keep a close eye on uh, out of the two teams. Uh, he's you see him in the first round of a lot of draft lists, and a lot of NHL scouts like him as a first rounder. Or, you know, late first to early second. I've got him a little further down than that, like uh, mid mid second at this point, but. Uh, you know, I'm going to see a pile of them uh, being uh, being located in Ottawa and um, getting out to a lot of 67s games, and uh, we'll see we'll see if I can't uh, warm up to him a little more. I'm a little concerned about his size. Um, I don't know how good he is defensively. Yeah. How uh, big is he, he? Well, he's listed at six foot. Yeah, uh, he looks smaller than that, but. It could be that he crouches, you know. I yeah. I think he's five eleven, maybe five eleven and a half, but perhaps he is six foot. Um, now, like he doesn't play a 
physical. He's, he's not going to be a physical defensive defenseman. Um, so he's going to have to produce, I think, to be effective in the NHL. And and uh, there seems to be some various varying opinions on just how his offensive game will translate at the NHL level. But he's certainly uh, a good skater, very smart, uh, poised with the puck, makes uh, makes a lot of smart plays. And um, I wouldn't be surprised you know, teams are always looking for that type of defenseman, right? And after 20 in the draft, you, you see you see a run of defensemen typically. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes uh, the end of the first round. Good. Um, and, uh, yeah, Gatineau? Yeah. Uh, well, there's one other kid in uh, okay. Ottawa, uh, Frankie Morelli, okay. another defenseman. He's 5'10". And uh, as you know, five ten defenseman's got to be pretty dynamic to be uh, to be considered in the top three rounds. Uh, so he's more likely to be a mid round pick, but uh, he's a heart and soul player. Um, he was on the um, Holinka team, and Coach Al Latang, who's from Renfrew, uh, <laughs> so I know Al. He mm-hmm. he he couldn't say enough good things about how how he stepped up in the metal games, metal round games, and just uh, was a real uh, force for them. So I don't know that his game necessarily translates to the NHL, but at the very least, I think he'd be a hell of a, a an AHLer. And you, you need those guys in your organization. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they could maybe be a captain of an AHL team someday and, and mentor other guys and, help you, you know, help the team at that level. And if all comes together and uh, there's, you know, injuries and you get an NHL chance, who knows, maybe, maybe he could carve out an NHL career someday. So I expect him to go probably in the mid round somewhere. And then in uh, Gatineau, they've got, they've got a six, six Slovenian defenseman. Oh baby. Oh baby. Six, six, you know, eh? Yeah, and as you know, if uh, you know, if they even have a pulse, right? Yeah. NHL teams are going to look at him. Can't <laughs> teach size. He can't teach size. Well, that's right. And uh, yeah, as I well know, um, <laughs> uh, he, um, I, you know, I like to say that I, I didn't make the NHL because of my size, but we all know that was just one of the many factors for that. But, <laughs> um, he, uh, uh, He's from Slovenia and he played U18 hockey in Austria last year. So that's quite a step up, right? Yeah. Come into come into Canadian junior hockey as a rookie and you're six six. He's a late June birth date, so so I he's like young, it. you know. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, for all those factors, you give him a bit of leeway. Yeah. I mean, Gatno's doesn't have a very good team this year and you go see them and they're getting blown out. It's tough to, as you know, it's tough to really evaluate a kid playing defense when your team loses, uh, you know, eight, two or whatever. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, you're trying to get the puck up and the, and the forwards aren't giving you puck support and the, like, there's a lot of factors in it. Right. But uh, I think the, um, the consensus on him is uh raw project that likely goes late in the draft somewhere because hey he's just getting acclimatized to better hockey 
he's a big kid he doesn't skate too bad doesn't looks like he's not you know puck moving is okay his sense is okay so i wouldn't be surprised if a team took a flyer on him late yeah and then and those you know we talked about the second half there um guys could come on and typically i i, I tend to think it's more defensemen that do that than forwards uh for the most part just because of the nature of the game um and, and so so and people are always asking how the scouting system works so that's it that would be a guy is on your list and you're going to continue to watch and watch and watch and see see how he progresses throughout the, the last half of the year for anyone listening um what about what about some prospects for the senators um that the senators have drafted maybe in the last year or two um that that you think are are trending in the right direction or was a good pick yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, they didn't have, uh, you know, very many top uh, 100 picks in the last no. couple of years, if I if memory serves correctly there. So, you know, it was later round guys. So just the fact that any of them in, are impressing is good, I think, because uh, typically uh, future NHLers are picked in the top three rounds, right? Um, yeah. But... Uh, I've been really impressed by and uh Andonovsky in uh Kitchener this year. He uh he's playing on the top uh top pairing with uh Brustovich there quite a bit and um he's looked really good. I've been uh keeping an eye on Meshar from the Canadians quite a bit so I've seen <coughs> excuse me. I've seen a number of their games and he uh He's really stood out. I, I didn't mind him last year, and I had him, you know, I had him ranked as a fifth rounder, and that's where he went. But, uh, you know, if you did a redraft today, I think he'd certainly go somewhere in the top three rounds for sure, maybe second round. Um, last time I checked, because uh, he had really uh, stood out for me, and I had a look, uh, you know, went on to uh, Elite Prospects there to have a look at his stats, and he was leading the... Uh, OHL in plus minus, um, and it, and substantially, you know, I know a lot of people uh, poo poo uh, plus minus and stuff, but I I find it when it's something really stands out, like if you're leading, you know, an entire league in plus minus, that 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 tells a story, right? Yeah. Uh, or conversely, if you're you know minus thirty or whatever, uh, yeah. that you know. There, there's a, there's, a, there's something to be said there. So he was plus 26, and I think 13 games in, or 20 games in, or something like that. If you're more than a, you know, plus one every single game, you're playing solid hockey. And he, uh, I think, I think he's a good, viable NHL prospect for the, uh, for the Sens, and and they got him in the fifth round. So that, that I think was great value. Yeah, and then, that might be uh, a Donnie Boyd pick. I'm not sure, but that could be. He's uh, from the London area, so. Um, What's that? I said that could be a Donnie Boyd pick. He's from the London area, so. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 He's a Sun scout. So. Um, okay. What about anyone on the European front uh, for the Sens? Uh, well, Oscar Pedersen from two years ago is uh, is a kid that uh, that I like. Uh, I think they got him in the third round, if I'm not mistaken. Big kid, they, you know, uh, Trent Mann when he was there, he always they always seemed to that scouting staff always 
picked a big European in the first three rounds that, that ends up being a pretty good prospect, you know? Um, and he's another one like the, uh, good size, good, uh, power, power forward type winger that, uh, when I've seen him in, um, he's produced at the U20 level the last two years. He was good at the World Juniors last year. He'll be back this year, and I think he'll be a big big part of the Swedish squad. Uh, I think he's played five games, uh, U20 events this year, and or six games and picked up five points, so he's producing at that level. I think he'll be a top six forward for the Swedes and have a really good uh, World Junior tournament. Uh, I think he's a, you know, he's a solid NHL prospect. Um, third rounder, we'll see, but uh, he might have a, you know, he might have a shot at, at making the NHL someday. I think he'll probably end up going to Binghamton. I don't know his contract status, but as soon as that's up, he'll he'll get over to Bingo and or not Bingo, uh, Belleville, and uh, and really, uh, I think he. I think he can play at the AHL level uh, soon. So I like him as a prospect too. I think those two guys are the ones that at this point, at least, uh, and Stephen Holiday's another kid, big kid that uh, they drafted out of the U who was 20 or 19 at the time that uh, stepped into um, college hockey and, and produced right away. Now he has to keep working on his skating six, four kid, usually is the case, but really, really solid playmaker and protect, protects the puck really well. So, it, you know, those three guys, I think, have a, have a chance. The um, uh, sorry, you're going to have to uh, repeat. Justin, you're going to have to repeat what you said there. Oh, I heard you at the end. Speak. Hear me now. Sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You talk about maybe Tyler Boucher, um, where you saw him in his draft year. Um, if you thought the Sens took him in the right spot, or if you thought they reached on him. Um, I know he's had some injuries lately, but uh, kind of what you thought of him in his draft year and uh, what you think he could be. Well, I think I was like most. I didn't have him. I was surprised when they took him 10th overall. I uh, I had him as a late first. Uh, I mean, I in talking to a lot of NHL teams, they felt the same way. And, you know, a lot of guys wondered why, if you just absolutely had to have them, why you didn't maybe move down back some. Cause you know, I, I almost uh, guarantee that there, another team wasn't going to take them in the top 20, but I mean, you know, it's, a, we're always experts on hindsight, right? Um, I mean, he was injured a lot in his draft year. So that was one of the reasons why, you thought it was too risky to take him that high because you really didn't know, right? Um, you, you were you were projecting a lot, but I think the senators probably looked at it and and said, "Well, 
you know, I think, I think we've got a, a top six down the road that's really solid, you know, uh, and we, we need a, a kid that can play middle line role, power forward type. And I think they maybe went, you know, towards a need more so than picking the player with the most upside at that point. I don't know for sure, but that that's how I figure that they looked at it. Um, I mean, I don't see him being a, certainly not a first liner, uh, probably not a second liner. You, you're hoping that he can be a, uh, a physical third line presence that brings energy and can pop some goals. Uh, I don't know how many, I think he got out to a few 67s games uh, the past two years and you maybe saw him once or twice, but I mean, you saw flashes, right? Yeah. Uh, he's got a decent shot. He's got a, you know, he's got a bit of playmaking ability and, and can shoot and, he's got the size physical presence to, to carve out an NHL career. Now, whether it's a productive one or not, that's probably the biggest question mark with him. But uh, injuries obviously have curtailed his development. So that doesn't help either. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Grant. I think that was great. Uh, I think Sens fans were looking to get caught up on some uh, some scouting stuff and, and maybe we'll get you back here in the near future. I know the world juniors are coming up. Maybe we could talk about prospects there to watch um, and your thoughts on that. So thank you very much. Uh, Shovel connection is always nice. Um, thank you. I, uh, when you're hosting there, I, I just got, I've got a suggestion there, you know, it's simmer down. Right. But uh, Murray yeah. up, I guess would be. Uh... <laughs> simmer down maybe. Uh, yeah, no, that's good. Um, <laughs> where can, go. where can we, where can everyone check you out? Um, you do great lists. So uh, let yeah. everyone know where to find you and yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if they don't mind, uh, you know, a little uh, hab centric uh, tweeting or t- Xing, or I guess whatever you want to call it, they they can find me on on Twitter, X uh, at, at Grant McCag, and uh, you know that I post all my articles on there and and that are on Recruits website. Um, it's Recruits is R E C R U T E S. So if you uh, punch that into Google, you'll uh, you'll get to my website and you'll see you'll see what uh what it's all about awesome perfect keep rolling grant and uh thanks for coming thanks justin cheers all right that was good um yeah we had a lot more talk um from sense fans about this draft um people always love the draft and for good reason i mean i'm always looking up mock drafts nfl even nba um i i love that aspect of of things um so it's it's always nice to see the players coming in the league. And, and then you could kind of, if you keep doing that each year, you could, you, you, you know, the league then, right. For the most part. Um, so that's good. I, I think we answered a lot of the questions um, that people had. We talked about Henry Muse, talked about Tyler Boucher. Um, one thing, you know, from Ryan Barber, commonly eight to nine defensemen taken in the first uh, in 2018, they're 14, just trying to get a feel why this group is so much stronger in 2012, uh, eight out of the top 10 were D-men. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, on Craig's list, uh, we haven't got to see all of 
Grant's list, but on Craig's list, there's 14. So um, it might not end up like that. Um, but 14 guys is a lot um, for defensemen, I think. Uh, whether they'll be that great or not, um, we'll see. I know Grant had one at number two, one at number four, and one at number eight, and then another one at 11. So so that's pretty good. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of forwards become really, really good. Um, and, and like you said, Makar and uh, Heskinen came in later, later in the second half. I typically notice that with D all the time. Uh, you can, you can get tricked though, um, because they, you might catch them on a good run and then you think they're a player all of a sudden. Um, a guy like that, uh, I mean, I would go watch this Connor Hall kid in uh, Kitchener. <laughs> and my God, I, I saw him. He looked like the best defenseman in the draft one, one night. And uh, so, you know, you keep following him and you see him good, you see him good. And then you you question if later on, if, if why he played so well, because by the end he wasn't great, you know? So, um, yeah, you, you got to be careful as guys rise. Um, but for the most part, if you see them play that way, you know, more than a couple games, uh, at a certain level, that's probably the level they're at, uh, with always exceptions to the rules or not. Um, yeah, do uh, so we could start getting into some more NHL questions. Uh, just want to talk about last night, I think, a little. Uh, let me just kind of pull this up here, you know. Uh, obviously, the Canadians beat the Blue Jackets. We have. Sens have the Blue Jackets coming here. Um, Sam Montembeau has turned into a pretty good goalie. That's uh, There's two goalies that I really, really got to see whenever I was scouting, him and Blackwood. Um, and and I wouldn't call myself a goalie expert by any means, but I did like Montembeau. Um, when I watched him in the NHL, I, I didn't really, really like him as much, but he's really come on. Um, so the Blue Jackets lost again. They had a big win against the Bruins, so you wanted to see if they were coming on. So... Um, this is a game tomorrow night that the Sens should win. We'll talk about that more tomorrow, um, but it could be a, a building block, uh, hopefully to more wins. Um, Red Wings Rangers, two, they're going to be two top competing teams in the uh, Eastern Conference, I think, along with Florida and Boston, maybe Tampa. So Eastern Conference is some good teams here. Um, good game. Um I think I think overall Rangers will have the better goaltending um, and will likely be the better team. But but if Kane could play well and, and um, get, give some firepower, more firepower to the Red Wings, who they have a lot of fours that can you know score by committee and go to work. Uh, but but having that guy that can just go down and, and score and and Kane's not going to be the Kane of of the past. You know, you used to watch Minnesota play. Chicago at times in the playoffs and then Kane would just go down and score a goal. Um, he'll still have flashes of the pan for sure, but he won't be that player from, you know, the past, but he'll still add some, you know, the power play, some scoring ability, some danger. And uh, if that hips better, um, he, he should really help out the Red Wings. The Capitals Kings game is intriguing to me. Uh, the Capitals, they, they got five men in the TV screen at all times in their own zone. Uh, they're tight, close guys, not getting to the middle of the ice. They, the Kings just, you know, they must have, they had 40 shots by the end and, and probably 
15 of them came in the third and they're just bombarding the caps and the caps just held on uh from from good goaltending but also just being defensive keeping guys to the outside um and and blocking shots uh i don't think that's the way the centers want to play i think the centers have way more skill than the caps do um i think they have a better back end than the caps do in in some ways um in other ways not uh just in the in the way that you know their their bottom guys just just play defensively play safe uh but it's interesting with the caps um it just shows you know if you can play right defensively you're going to win games in this league um and and if you can combine that with the skill of the Ottawa Senators I think you have a good team and I and I think that's what bothers fans too um it's been really it hasn't been great defensively or or players not playing smart or or a little soft on pucks and, and it's frustrating because um I think we think we can kind of get there um as a team and and I think I think the fans believe in that um so I think that just shows what what's possible in this league if you if you commit to the defensive side of the puck um fishing has a a good question here um do the sens need a veteran on the blue line or at the forward position uh they have veterans but they need a good veteran and i think a good veteran on d in that fourth uh that fifth spot that can penalty kill i think that would be really good for like next year next year you're you're probably going clevin on the left side uh let's say you're not making a big trade yet so you want to fill and so clevin's going to have a low cap hit if you can fit in a guy you know in that three million range maybe two two and a half million range that can really play hard on your bottom pair and penalty kill i think that's i think that's uh gonna help your team um I think we see teams that that win have those just those stable stable go to work guys on the back end so um that's kind of where i'm at that would probably make the most sense uh any more questions um we could kind of talk yeah if dorian was still gm do you think he would have made a change that's a good question um potentially because he is he knows his job would be on the line so so that would be one um one way to think about that uh he could probably convince the owners that it'd be the right thing to do because he's seen enough uh i don't i don't know if he's had enough balls for that like like in the sense of not him personally it's just that's a he probably wanted to see where this was going and run off the rails. So he's probably in the same boat. Uh, I think a few more losses, Pierre would probably fire the guy. I, and it's not a shot at Pierre at all. It was just more like you're, you're eight, nine, you're, you're just not sure. You want to be sure on this. Um, your next coaching hire, if he was still the GM, if that didn't go well, then, then you're in trouble, right? So uh, I think he would just want to be sure as well. You, you look last night, or you know, you see Bill Guerin and and the the, the ex coach of the Minnesota Wild, they're chums, and he had to fire them, and they're crying. And and listen, that's no fun to fire anyone. So I understand that this is a tough thing for the owner. Um, I agree. No, no one likes to fire anyone in any job um, unless there's a major issue. But 
so so I understand from the from the owner's side they want to be sure they want to be sure but I think I think the fans have seen enough I think that I you, you can't always agree with the fans or else you'll become a fan and not have a job but it's you know they're they're probably right on this one and, and I agree with them and, and and when it's the whole fan base is is behind it I think I think that tell, tells you something um yeah let's what else can with Shabbat coming back who comes out of the lineup are they just waiting for a healthy lineup until they make the change with DJ I th- that that could be it for sure um I I would be putting I would be putting Greg and Kaslik on LTIR uh they could play Tuesday um if they're not for sure ready to go today I mean Greg with his high ankle sprain why not why not just allow this kid to just cut back a little healthier um you know it's Thursday uh you play Tuesday that's not much long of a wait um good things take time right so uh I would be okay putting those on LTIR and kick the problem down the road with Shabbat back I think I think it's going to be interesting I think I think they miss them big time um and and this the, the stats would show that so there's a guy that just could log minutes and and skate the puck out of the out of their own zone with ease if he needs to um yeah we uh We'll we'll be lucky to have them back here, um, and it'll be interesting to see how they roll them. It looks like uh, Chikorin, Sanderson, Zub, Shabbat for now, which which I'm okay with. Um, and then on the on the third line, it looks third pair looks like Branstrom and Hamnick. They're all interchangeable for me. They're all interchangeable between add G, JBD in there. You know they talk about Henry Muse, and I don't want to talk poorly about a prospect that's in Ottawa. But you get the same kind of feeling as these guys. Uh, I mean, Hamannick's a little different, but just a, a average size guy that really doesn't do anything dynamic. Doesn't really. He's just a guy, you know. And, and you need guys sometimes. But if you're trying to make the playoffs, you need to get rid of those guys and get players. Um, and it's hard in the cap system. Uh, I get it. But um, so those are all interchangeable for me. I worry about. Branstrom and JBD as a partner because I don't like their one-on-one defending. I think they they aren't strong enough. I think they can get beat, and I just don't think they have the not like more Branstrom doesn't, you know, he looks at the puck a little more, puck watches. Um, and JBD is, you know, he he he's shown some physical ability, but with those one-on-one battles in front of the net, he's just not there. Um, and and I, as a Third liner, you're typically maybe a little bigger as a forward. So if you're playing against the other team's third li- third line and you're on the third pair, you're going to have to battle some big guys, uh, and that's tough. Um, now, you won't have to play a ton of minutes uh, with the other four guys uh, up there, but um, that's what scares me. Um, if this team was in, the, in a playoff hunt, you know um, – I'd be looking at what Clevin could do or Mancha Paolo in those situations as well, playing lower minutes. Um, I know Mancha Paolo struggled a little later on, um, but I think in the right situation, he might 
you know, you might be happy with him. I, I'm, I'd be interested to see how he's doing down in uh, Belleville. Um, if anyone watches them, let us know. Um, but he, he's, you want size there. I think if, if all things are equal, you want the bigger guy. Any more questions? Uh, any Intel on whether Steos is currently searching for a GM? No, I got to think he's looking, but, but we talked about before, you're probably not getting your guy mid-season unless he's an ex-guy that's been fired, which is I'm okay with. Uh, guys get recycled all the time. Uh, but if you are looking at a Matthew Darsh, um, Talinsky, or I forgot how to pronounce his name from Carolina, who I'd be interested in as well. Uh, but so I, I think it, they're probably looking, but probably knowing that they're waiting till the off season, which leads me into the, you know, that's why I say the coach is okay to make it. You're okay to do the coach now. I mean, that's, that's against normal thought process, but there's always exceptions to the rule. Uh, and I think this time is an exception to that rule. Uh, why not get a good coach in here and start the process early? I think Seos is a smart hockey man. He could handle, there's not much to do anyways. You're, you're at the cap. You're just, you're just managing transactions up and down. Uh, you're managing injuries uh, at the deadline. Maybe, you know, you're going to have to make a trade here, obviously. So, so he'll have to do that. But, but I think he has pro scouts around him and bonus and Steos, I think knows hockey as well. The, where he might not know is the little intricacies of the, of the cap and all those other things, which I think, you know, bringing in a, bringing in a, uh, an ex GM to just consult and pick his brain about things would make sense. Uh, you briefly touched on this yesterday, but would who would be a great candidate for Steos to hire as a consultant advisor to the GM? I think a guy like Chuck Fletcher would be great. I don't know if he wants the job. Peter Shirelli, probably not moving over from Tam, uh, St. Louis to do the same job. Guys like in that, in, in that way, though, that can, you know, my dad would be great at it, I said. I don't think he cares to do that but he would be outstanding at that just question things in the organization build some organizational structure uh think outside the box and he's there for the gm to talk to whenever he wants to do something you know um you, you got to question everything you got to have a guy there that's willing to question your thought process because i think you i think as a gm you always want to be pushing the envelope not necessarily using everything you're thinking of, but you want to be always having new ideas. Can we do this? Can we do that? What if we tried this? What if we tried that? So you're going to come up with some crazy ideas and you want someone there to go, okay, this is a little crazy. Maybe we should not do this, but try this, you know? So you want, you want to have that banter with someone daily about what you could do. The last thing you want to be is in your own echo chamber, uh, trying to figure out what, what your next move is, uh, you know, Surround yourself with good people. That's what excellent managers do. You know, I talk about the Cubs way and, and Theo Epstein. They, during training camp, they would just live in a house together, like, you know, eight other staff that were high up. And all they just did was talk, 
talk shop for you know the all of training camp obviously we're not in training camp and that's maybe a little excessive but the the point stands of having people around you that you can you can talk to you can question each other you can challenge each other that that's what makes that's what makes you good um yeah uh yeah jordan stitt uh good little quote there i'll, I'll leave that though um for people to read um yeah do you trade Shabbat before his no movement clause kicks in? I'd like to not. I'd like to not because of the things I outlined in the past. That means then you're giving Chikorin all this money because he's going to demand it because he knows he's the guy. Um, so that scares me a little bit. We've we've wanted defensemen forever. Now we have them and now we want to trade them. So I, that scares me a little bit too. Now, if things aren't going well, yeah, you don't want to be pigeonholed in a in a no movement clause. But but I got to think better coaching is going to make bring the best out of Thomas Shabbat. He's proven it. I think we're we're okay to to see it. We got Clevin coming, who can play at low money. Uh, if if you want, you have JBD at low money uh, for your bottom pair, and you can really get rid of three million between Hamannick uh, and. And Branstrom, I, I think I think they're redundant at this point um, for the following year. Uh, I think that's probably good today. Uh, I th- appreciate all the questions. Thank you to Grant as well. Uh, I couldn't, literally, could not do this without these questions. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I would do. So uh, I hope everyone is enjoying it uh, as much as I am. I, I think this is. Awesome. Um, it's like sitting at the bar and shovel or um, somewhere in Ottawa with your chums and just talking hockey. And uh, it's a big weekend coming up with, uh, with a, uh, it should be an easy win, and but there's no easy wins in the NHL. And then uh, back home for Seattle, who hasn't been playing as well either. Um, need some saves. Need to manage the puck if we're up. And we need to be a little harder on pucks. And I don't know if this week at practice they worked on that. Uh, I hope they did. I hope they're a little embarrassed of the last game. I I really do. I really do. And I hope that maybe the bullshit in the third period has brought them together a little bit and collectively embarrassed, but collectively together. Um, I'm on tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Let's get those questions ready. Let's talk about some hockey and, uh, you guys have a good day. Peace out, Ottawa. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast simmer down with John Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google play and Apple podcasts.